Good afternoon. Thursday afternoon. That means it is time for our weekly preview show here at Power Mizzou. Gabe DeArmond, we got uh, Gerard Hamilton in the green room, as well as our resident Kentucky expert, Justin Rowland. We'll bring those guys on the screen in just a minute. Want to welcome those of you watching live. Uh, if you are watching live, like, subscribe, do all the things the YouTube people tell you to do that supposedly help us out and make us more money, um, which I don't know if that helps you guys, but it helps us. So we appreciate it. Um, comments, questions, anything you got, throw up in the uh, queue. We will get to them as the show goes on. As promised, though, we're going to add a couple guests and we're just going to do it at the same time. Uh, Gerard Hamilton there on my left, bottom of the screen. Justin Rowland, the publisher of Cats Illustrated, our Kentucky site. And uh, let's get to it. Justin, here's what I want to know, man. Like my feeling, even though nobody really says it out loud, is that Missouri and Kentucky don't really like each other very much. I, I think this is actually developed into like I don't think either school would identify it as their biggest rivalry in the SEC. But I think it's one of the best series they both have. Yeah, no doubt. It's also like the first time that Kentucky's ever been in the hated position in an SEC rivalry. Um, you know, the long streak against Tennessee, the long streak against Florida, they got a building streak against Georgia right now. I think they're kind of reveling in seeing another fan base look at Kentucky and say, hey, why are we losing these guys so often? But Missouri's got a great opportunity this weekend. Well, and I can't imagine why Missouri fans hate Kentucky because all the games have been perfectly normal and nothing <laughs> weird has happened at the yeah. end of any of them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, Kentucky fans will respond to Missouri fans' outrage about the, the incident last year, but I think everybody kind of knows that it just sucked. It sucked. Yeah. Um, and you get the rule change, and that's a small consolation after the fact, but I wouldn't blame Missouri fans if they're just waiting for the other shoe to drop at this point. Justin, I want to know just about Kentucky and how they feel after that Georgia game. Like sometimes is it better to, you know, in a way just get blown out and be able to like, it's a wash, we can focus on the next game. Or does that kind of sting a little bit more knowing like we went in that game 5-0 and we really wanted to see where we were compared to obviously the, the best team in the country? Yeah, that's a great question. And I don't know. I mean, I'm at the point this year with Kentucky that we just don't know. Like they did to Vanderbilt what they should have done to Vanderbilt. They did to Florida um, probably worse than we thought that they would. But then Georgia was the reverse. So you've got kind of a, an average sample, a great sample, a terrible sample. So that leaves it. To, the, the field is totally wide open for what we could see from them. But you're right. I, that could be a burn the tape kind of week, because if you if you just go back and watch, it was one thing after the next spiraling out of control. And uh, I think if they play Georgia again, it would be a much closer game. That was probably Georgia's A game against Kentucky's D game. Uh, but when you see Kentucky played that poorly, and they've had a track record of not bouncing back super quickly from losses like that, it's a concern. Well, I was super disappointed in that game because Missouri played at 11 a.m. And I was getting home, walked the dog, and I'm like, I'm going to turn on Kentucky-Georgia. It'll be a good night. And then I was like, well, I'm not going to turn on Kentucky, Georgia. That's not what I'm going to do with my Saturday night. Um, look, I, I think the biggest thing that uh, Missouri fans are curious about, and probably most fans that that haven't watched Kentucky every week, why has Devin Leary not been what people thought Devin Leary was going to be? Because that was a guy that Missouri fans really, you know, Eli Drinkwitz signed him at NC State, and Missouri fans wanted him to, to get in on And I don't really have any indication Missouri went after him. But uh, 
that seemed like it was going to be this huge get in the portal, and it has not happened yet. Yeah, yeah, it's perplexing. Um, in the offseason, Kentucky was zeroing in on Graham Mertz and Devin Leary, and Leary was the preferred guy. But I think you got to look back now and say, no doubt, Mertz has been a better player this year. Um, some of it is Leary. Uh, he's had some overthrows that don't make a lot of sense. Um, the sack numbers don't look bad, but he has he has helped avoid sacks by getting rid of the ball, but that's led to some of his bad throws. I really think that the issue is more than anything the receivers. They came into this year thinking the receivers were going to be one of the strength of the team, but they're not getting separation. They haven't matured. They lost all of their second string receivers to the portal. And when you've got these sophomores that probably read their press clipping some last year and you don't have any competition pushing them in practice, there's no threat that if you play poorly, we're going to take some of your playing time. That's kind of a perfect storm. So Leary has not been as, as good as everybody thought he would be, but I would say the biggest issue has been the receivers are way down from where, where people expect. Okay. Well, that kind of segues into to what I was going to ask you about Barry and Brown. You know, he's a, he's a, a great kick returner, punt returner. I know he's the leading receiver. Um, is that, is he, as far as the receiving game, has he shown a, a development in that way? Or is it just, again, lack of receivers? He may be the most dynamic of the bunch to to get the passes to. It's going to sound brutal, but he's not a route runner. I mean, he, he is an elite prospect because he has elite straight line explosive speed and he can take the top off of defense. But defenses know that if they just get hands on him at the line of scrimmage, he's not at a point in his development and his maturation as a player that he can get off that and keep the route strong. You see a, a cornerback playing three, four yards off him, and he runs up to him, and he's kind of doing a little, what are you doing there? And and it sounds harsh, but there has not been the maturation on the field from year one to year two, and that's been a big reason for why the offense hasn't lived up to its billing. Dane Key, the other sophomore receiver that had six touchdowns last year, has struggled with drops this year. Tavion Robinson, the receiver transferred from Virginia Tech two years ago, has been probably a little disappointing the last couple of weeks as well. Uh, but it's just a group that hasn't taken a step forward and they haven't helped them out. Uh, they got to be a lot better this week because we might get to it, but that Missouri passing game is not, is going to be a huge test for Kentucky secondary, which has struggled the last couple of weeks. We got a couple of viewer questions for you that I'm going to get to, but I want to segue into the first one with, you know, you're talking about the Kentucky receivers and I'm not sure this is the week a passing game gets healthy because one thing Missouri has is, is good cornerbacks. Chris Abrams drain. I think it's playing as well as anybody in the sec and this rake straws out in this one, but um, but I think they've got pretty good corners. The safety safety play has been a question, but that leads to kind of the question from Aiden watching. Does Kentucky's chance of winning this game, or really any game at this point, kind of go through Ray Davis? I think so, and that means we're six games into the season. If you just take the last three weeks, Devin Leary is completing less than 50% of his passes. So at some point, you got to say it's a trend. And they've got it. They've got to change before you expect them to change. And Ray Davis has been one of the most uh, explosive, electrifying players in college football. I didn't think he was going to be that kind of player. The problem is they've never really taken the time to establish the running game, except against Florida. And now Missouri knows that that's probably the only thing that they really have to prepare for. And Missouri, I heard what Drinkwitz said about maybe losing some of their run fits and over pursuing and creating lanes. So they're going to have a lot of good tape that's going to serve as preparation for probably what Kentucky's going to have to rely on. Another another one from one of our uh, loyal viewers, and I I like I want to put this on because Jared uh, Jared helps us out every week. He's always here. 
Um, it is, it's a little bit of a loaded question to be quite honest, but just curious, the Kentucky view, we were talking at the beginning, all the weird things that have happened. I mean, look, I've known you for a long time. You are not one of these like homers, like just watching the way some of these games have ended. Like what's your viewpoint, not just last year, but the untimed down on the, the weird pass interference call, the, the delay in Lexington a few years ago where the officials just kind of walked around with the ball for 15 seconds. I mean, looking at this game, uh, this series from 30,000 foot view, like what's your opinion of the way it's gone down a little bit? It's weird. It, it has the feeling of Mizzou football being cursed. And Mizzou has had some unfortunate... Oh, don't, don't say yeah. that, man. You have just opened the floodgates on my site. I'm, I'm speaking from the perspective of somebody who covers Kentucky. So we're talking LSU bluegrass miracle. We're Kentucky also has plenty of experience in snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. I mean, Adma Amag Wagner, all the pass interference flags that were, that were thrown against him, it's bizarre. But Kentucky could rattle off a similar number of things that have happened against Tennessee over the years that have happened against Florida over the years. Maybe when it's crunch time, it becomes a mental thing, but some of these things that have happened really seem to be totally outside of Missouri's control. So they're probably hoping the scales of, of justice balance out. Yeah. Also, you could just have a 10 point lead with two minutes to go. And then right. none of yeah. that stuff is a problem. Right. Justin today, yeah. I put out something uh, as far as three things that I think, uh, may determine this game for both sides. I put the run game, special teams, and um, penalties. Is there a, maybe a fourth thing or something that either team it could kind of sway this game? Good question. Um, I don't like the matchup for Kentucky secondary against, against Missouri's offense. I feel like I'm kind of stretching too far if I look beyond that matchup. Like everything that I've seen from Missouri this year, I have no reason to believe Kentucky's going to be able to slow down that passing game. Like the one-on-one -on -one matchup. Max Hairston was the National Defensive Player of the Week as a cornerback against Vanderbilt. Two defensive touchdowns, and he has just been picked on, picked on, picked on the last two weeks. They've only got three safeties with any meaningful experience, and Jalen Geiger, one of them is out two weeks with a dislocation. The safeties were really poor against Florida. Florida and Georgia. If Kentucky, if that matchup goes like I think it's going to go, it might be a Missouri win by multiple scores. Um, because I don't see an easy solution for Kentucky for that. But then again, I could just be reacting to their worst game of the year that they just played against Georgia. But yeah, they got to find a way to get pressure on Brady Cook. Um, and there is some hope for that because Trevin Wallace, Deion Walker, Kentucky's a great inside pressure team, but we didn't see it against Georgia. What, what's their general, like, I, obviously it changes week to week, but their approach on defense. I mean, you, you got, obviously Luther Burden is, he may be the best receiver in the country. What's made Missouri's passing game better the last few weeks is they've got other guys helping out, but are, are they, are they a team that generally wants to try to man up on the outside or is Missouri going to see a lot of zone? You see more of them manning up this year because they don't have the 6-3, corners. They've got the smaller guys that can run stride for stride with receivers down the field, and they can track and cover and backpedal a little bit better. Uh, but generally, Brad White's defensive philosophy is a shell. It's to take away explosive plays and force a team to beat you going down the field. The interesting thing is, historically, in recent years, Missouri has been the kind of team that is content to take the short stuff and go down the field, but Kentucky has still fared well against it. But this year, from what we saw against Georgia, what we saw against Florida, and really even in recent years against the best offenses on their schedule, you can't just expect they're going to be able to take away the passing game. 
Um, I, I, I think they should be able to slow down Missouri's running game. The, the defense, the run defense has been good this year. But, uh, I mean, everything's open for Missouri as far as the passing game is concerned in this game, I believe. Just just saw a stat that said Kentucky 96 in, in red zone offense. I, what's kind of the struggles that's been going on once they get to that area? I'll be honest, man. There's been enough weird stuff about the offense this year that I haven't really honed in on, like, what the problem is in the red zone. Uh, but you've got Leary has missed a couple of throws in the end zone. I know Barion has a drop in the end zone. Um, they're not the kind of team that lines up and runs it between the tackles like they did so much with Chris Rodriguez and Benny Snell for the last seven years. It's more of a finesse zone rushing concept. Uh, so I, I just think they're an offense that's struggling to find an identity. They've run fewer plays per game than any team in the country. And some of that is instead of tempo, they're prioritizing all right, we're going to bring in three, four, five substitutions on every play. And that creates some challenges for the defense in terms of what they have to line up for, be prepared for pre-snap assignments. But they haven't really got into any kind of rhythm on offense. And you're allowing the defense to set, set themselves and view the field every play. I think the slow tempo has something to do with the overall struggle as well. Every analytic every matchup every data point i can find has this is like a coin flip game missouri's offense is like 20 spots better kentucky's defense is like 20 spots better the only place where i can find separation in this game is special teams is that um something that kentucky looks at and says look if we're going to win this game we this is what we have to win or this is a a portion of it we have they, if they lose special teams it's probably a bad bellwether that's what that's something they need to win i think and they've been pretty solid jay bullware is the first it's the first time they've had a special teams coordinator in a few years and he's made the operation a lot smoother the place kicking game is good they're getting kickback uh, touchbacks on kickoffs most of the time uh, but they weren't good against georgia the punting game kind of broke down we were seeing nets of 40 45 yards and not letting returns uh, for most of the season, but Wilson Berry, it was like 30, 35 yards a punt, and it was repeatedly against Georgia. So there could be an opportunity for Burden in the in the punt return game. If I'm not mistaken, he hasn't broken any big ones, but he's shown that, that 10, 15 yards, that's a huge impact on field position. I mean, hey, Gerard and I saw a 17-yard punt last week. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. To, to Luke Bauer's defense, his second punt went 73 yards, which is the most in the conference. So he he bounced back, but 17 yards is <laughs> that's a 45 yard average. We didn't see anything. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that's for it for me. You got a, a lot of a, a strong ones. I was I was looking at. Yeah, um, it, we'll we'll kind of finish this up, Justin. What's the uh, what's the atmosphere like? At Kroger Field, I mean, are, are they expecting sold-out crowd? Uh, I know Missouri has been there and some some pretty good atmospheres, and I feel like it's one of the places in the SEC that probably doesn't get talked about a lot, but over the last few years has, has gotten a lot tougher to play. You know, I, I noticed a, a fan on your website noted that uh, Kentucky had made Missouri the homecoming game. So, so motivation is not going to be an issue for the Tigers in this one. But I, you see Kentucky's coaches pushing out social media messages about hope you show up this weekend excited for you to show up i think there's some concern about how packed the stadium is going to be after that demoralizing loss to georgia um but nighttime it'll be a loud crowd i mean whether, whether it's 55,000 60,000 yet yeah, kroger is a good atmosphere the fans are pretty close there they're down there on the field and you know there's still a five and one team so so people haven't checked out or switched to basketball yet well, and to be clear, the homecoming thing was, uh, I don't know if you saw it, but Brian Kelly 
said that his team drew motivation from being Missouri's homecoming opponent last week, despite the fact that it was not actually homecoming at Missouri. So <laughs> Brian Kelly just out here making up his own facts again. He's got his own alternate universe, but it worked, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Justin, appreciate it, man. Um, I know uh, our people will be reading your stuff, and uh, and thanks for your time. We'll look forward to it on Saturday. And, and Gerard, thanks for all your help this week. I appreciate it, guys. No problem. Appreciate right, you, man. Justin Rowland from catsillustrated.com. Uh, hey, th- those guys do a, a great job covering Kentucky. And, and if you guys want to check it out, kentucky.rivals.com. Uh, I know they've talked to both coordinators, Devin Leary, Mark Stoops. You can find out all sorts of stuff. Um, it, I don't know, Gerard. It's kind of interesting. Justin sounds like a guy that would pick Missouri to me. Um, you know, he just – a, I, I think there's a little bit of doubt. And I, I think most of the like national projections I've seen have picked Missouri in this game. close game, but but I think most people think Missouri is the better football team. Which is why I don't get why I mean the last time I heard or checked, uh it was Kentucky minus two and a half. Uh mm-hmm. the line could have moved since then, but I don't I don't see it. Um I think Missouri is a, a better team. They're not coming off a demoralizing loss, but that's something I obviously didn't know that, you know, how Kentucky bounces back from those type of those beatings and things like that. And we, we talked about it, you know, uh, Tuesday during media day. Drink has had moments throughout the season after wins where he's just like, he do. you would think he lost by two touchdowns after wins. He lost this week and it was the best we've had him all week. And I wonder if that's just kind of like, Maybe they feel like losing to LSU was more of a we lost that game. Like LSU and Daniels played great, absolutely. They, they give credit to that. But knowing you could hang in with them and knowing like, all right, we we definitely can do something here. So that loss hurts, but it's not like the end of the world. I wonder if that's the you know that's the case, and if Missouri just kind of runs through them a little bit more than I was expecting. Yeah, I saw. Uh, I just looked up the line. It's still a Kentucky two and a half, and and I think that's mainly because they're at home. Basically, what that oh, means and they're, is, oh yeah, home rank. Yeah, know, what that means is neutral field. It's a pick them maybe Missouri by a point. Um, so I think that's part of it. Um, I I thought the most interesting thing Drinkwood said after the game uh, was, you know, we've we've been living on the edge with some things, and they bit us. So I I think. It's, look, they want to win every game. They could have won that game. But I think Drinkwood's kind of viewed that as, all right, non-division game against a team that was supposed to beat us anyway. I can go to practice all week and say, guys, see, we've been doing this all year. And now it finally came back and got us. So let's get back on track. And yeah. they, they've got really, I think, the two games coming up that are going to determine their season. I mean, the the difference between 0-2, 1-1, and 2-0 and in the next two weeks is – the difference between maybe winning the East and maybe finishing fifth or sixth in the East. Yeah. Um, I don't think they should be worried. And, and Justin's comments kind of, it's made me in a way think maybe this is more than a one possession win for Missouri. Um, the only thing is it's, it's kind of hard balancing both teams coming off losses. So like he said, you know, he doesn't know if he's kind of overweight and stuff based off their, their worst performance. I don't know if how I feel about, uh, Ray Davis and that run, de- Kentucky's run defense, um, how that stacks up versus Missouri's. Um, Missouri's run defense was really good up until last week, and then it was terrible, almost gave up 300 rushing yards. So I don't know where I'm weighing in with some stuff and special teams. Like, we always kind of push special teams as like, yeah, it's a phase of the game, but it's not important. It is – we've said this, and you said it, I think, the first week after uh, Harrison struggles in week one. 
you will lose a game if they keep missing kicks, if they make 17-yard punts and things like that. Well, and I think uh, on the run defense, so I, I think a lot of the struggles last – well, first of all, Jaden Daniels had 130 yards. Devin yeah. Leary has negative 48 yards rushing this this season. He he He's not a concern to take yeah. off and beat you with right. his legs. But the other part of that is I think Missouri probably went into that game thinking, okay, what we have to most worry about is Jaden Daniels and Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas and this right. dynamic passing game. And when you're putting so much focus on that, all of a sudden, I mean, late in the second quarter in that game, LSU had thrown seven passes. Like they clearly came out and said, we're going to hand the ball off. We're going to run the heck out of the ball. And we're going to force Missouri to come up and respect that. And once they do, then we're going to beat them over the top. I don't think Kentucky has that threat. Like Kentucky starts out, you know what they want to do. And like if Ray Davis doesn't hit 100 yards, I don't know how Kentucky wins this game. Unless Missouri's just disastrous on offense and turns the ball over a lot or something. Yeah, I think, um, and this may be something I can I can look into is just far as play action. Like that was the thing I was kind of worried about last week as far as you get that LSU run game going, which you know, top ten pass offense, but they were top thirty rushing as well, so they can make stuff mm-hmm. work there. They got the run offense going, and then they were o- able to open up play action. Uh, Daniels was five of five for I think it was a buck forty and two touchdowns on play action. Devin Larry isn't as great on play action, uh, but he, he can still throw the ball. He can still make plays happen. It depends on the receivers. And I think an interesting matchup will be their receivers. And if they can get, you know, to the sec- to the safeties or whatever, whenever they're faced up against them, what it becomes. And especially if they're just got a lot of guys with straight line speed, um, that'll be interesting depending on if Missouri wants to play a lot of zone or how they kind of, because they've been mixing it up the last few weeks. Yeah, I'll be I'll be interested to see if Blake Baker brings as much pressure here as he likes to usually bring, you know, or if he if he goes a little bit more coverage and says we don't we don't think Kentucky has the guys to beat us. Um, somebody asked an interesting question in my mailbag this morning, and for those of you watching, if you haven't read it, somebody asked me who's a better quarterback, twenty twenty two Brady Cook or twenty twenty three Devin Leary. So I looked up the numbers. Hmm. Devin Lear is averaging 209.5 passing yards per game this year. Last year, Brady Cook averaged 209.5 passing yards per game. Leary has more touchdown passes, like he's on pace for 24, but he's also on pace for 14 interceptions, which is more than Cook threw. Like, mm-hmm. like he is basically 2022 Brady Cook. And 2022 Brady Cook was the guy that Missouri fans wanted on the bench and or out of town. You know, so there is a track record there with Leary that I guess you're always worrying. You hope this isn't the week he wakes up. But this passing game has not been good at all. Well, yeah, the receivers are the problem. I mean, yeah, there has been some inaccuracies for sure if you look at, you know, some of his tape. But if you receivers that we've seen this last year, like like with Missouri, when they cannot get any separation, it doesn't make the quarterback's job any easier, right. especially considering that Larry is a pocket quarterback. At least Brady Cook could run the ball if he didn't see what he wanted to see. Devin Larry's not running nowhere. So as long as they – I think um, Baker sends the blitz quite a bit, actually. I mean, I would knowing – like last week, Daniels could just kind of push up in the pocket. He could throw. He could run. He could do whatever he want. You collapse, you collapse this pocket, and he just told us that, you know, part of the reason they're not getting sacks is because he's basically throwing the ball away. Well, let's see how let's see how quick and how much you really throw the ball away when it's – you know, when they got five or six coming at you. And I'm interested – I. 
Drinkwitz and Missouri's players talked a lot about Kentucky's offensive line, said they'd only given up one sack coming into last week. But look, man, this offensive, and I'm sure they're, I'm sure it's not all the same guys. I'm sure they brought in some transfers and stuff. But this offensive line last year was one of the worst in the country. They almost got Will Levis killed like multiple times last season. You know, so I I just wonder if that one sack going into the Georgia game isn't a little misleading and and if if maybe there's some things that, that Missouri can do there. I think it may be on the same track of I'm I'm not gonna say exactly, but the track of how Missouri's offensive line was pretty bad last year. There's just a sizable upgrade. And then you've got to factor in their opponents. Um I know they play like Eastern Kentucky or Eastern right. Michigan, something, you know, Eastern those Kentucky, teams, yeah. uh, and stuff. yeah, like you're not really going to be able to see too much. I think there is a sizable improvement, but some of the numbers may be, you know, kind of skewed just because they haven't really hit the tough part of their schedule, their respective schedules yet. Yeah. Uh, we've had a couple of questions on this and I meant to address it earlier. Jeff's asking if Johnny Walker is suiting up Saturday. I clarified he just got kicked out of the game. It is an in-game penalty. There is no carryover. Johnny Walker is eligible to play the full game on Saturday. Now, whether Eli Drinkwitz has some sort of internal penalty or anything, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, I guess that's always possible. He certainly didn't mention it to us earlier this week, but I don't think he would mention it. Um, we know Ennis Rakestraw is out. Um, mm-hmm. I posted on the board earlier today, I'm hearing Makai Miller is going to play. Mm-hmm. Um, Cody Schrader, there. Drink said he's questionable at best. Look, man, was, that's sick. That's sandbagging. Cody Schrader is playing in this game. He was a full participant, like because the last maybe two or three weeks he's been wearing the non-contact, and obviously he's been playing. But yeah, you score three touchdowns and put up over a hundred. Um, some of these, some of the times they put on these injury reports, just I don't know. I wonder if they're just gonna put random people on there just to say. Right. Just a, a decoy. Maybe this person isn't 100% is what the other team is going to think. I don't know. Co- Cody's playing. I, I mean, I would, be, I would be shocked if he didn't. Darius Robinson, uh, you know, looked pretty good last week, and I would assume, barring some sort of setback, he's playing. So outside of Ennis, I think Missouri's pretty healthy. I think Drayden Norwood has played pretty well in his place. Um, now, once you start getting a little further down into Marcus Clark or any of the freshmen, maybe maybe that's a concern. But I, I think Norwood's been pretty good. I think Clark has been all right. I think he's been better than we've at least what I've expected him to do in his time out there for sure. Did give up the touchdown last week, but again, Daniels, Thomas, and neighbor. I don't really I don't give that too much. Um, Jason says this is a big game for or Hopper will be key in this game. Yes. Uh him and Bailey, they've got to they've got to stop this run. They got to stop that. They they stop the run, then it's really a, a easy game because you definitely actually want Devin Leary to pass and see if they can if their receivers can create space versus Abrams Drain. And Abrams Drain is not letting anything happen this year. Yeah. And and the other thing, if Hopper and Bailey are stopping the run, then it reduces the chances that Carlisle and Charleston get sucked up by play action, you know, and, yep. and, and get yep. beat over the top. So certainly there. Um, yeah. I, I flip again, like we, we analyze every part of this. And to me, it's real simple. It's just who plays well on Saturday, because if these teams play 10 times, you know, Missouri's probably going to play well and win four of them. Kentucky's probably going to play well and win four of them. And then you're going to have two wild card games, but like they don't play 10 times. 
It's just about this one day for three and a half hours who plays well on Saturday. And if Missouri plays well, I think they should win. Same, same. I do think here's the caveat there, because I said earlier they I could see them winning, you know, basically like seven to 13 points in that range um, based off maybe a little bit of help from Justin. I also think if Missouri commits the penalties and they cannot stop the run game, they for sure can lose. It's not a like Mm -hmm. they'll it's not even though I think they can win by a good amount. That doesn't mean they can't lose. And I'm not even trying to say all the stuff with, you know, how the bad luck, the refs, and I'm like, they can really just lose if they can't control this run game. They let certain things kind of beat them or they beat themselves. That's kind of the biggest thing, uh, you know, not playing complimentary football. I'll say this, though. People are going to feel a whole lot better if Missouri has a nine-point lead entering the last possession of the game because weird stuff happens in this game, man. I can't explain it, but weird stuff just happens in this game. Got a got a little strategy question from Aiden. I'm curious what you think about this. If if Mizzou wins the toss, they should take the ball and quiet the crowd. What do you think? I never agree with receiving first. I agree. I yeah. always defer. You you always you always defer. Um I get I get the point about it though. Um but you get a quick three and up. Wasn't that the game last week that LSU start with the ball? I feel like it was a quick, it was a quick, yeah, yeah LSU, LSU did, Missouri deferred. Yeah. yeah, so in the first three possessions, LSU punted, scored a touchdown, and punted. Um, considering what we knew about LSU and that that offense, that was a pretty good start. So if you can kind of, yeah, let them punt, let them waste that first possession, and you can get something going for yourself, I feel like that kind of settles the team more. And the reason you defer to me is real simple because it sets up the possibility. Missouri got this last week. It sets up the possibility that you get back-to-back possessions around halftime. And like you can turn again, you can be down 14 points, but if you get the ball back with four minutes to go in the first half, you know, Hey, all we got to do is score on our next two possessions and we're right back, you know, and, and flip side, if you're in a tie game or if you're up a score, when that happens, then, you can kind of put distance. And uh, so I would, un- unless I had, you know, like the, the the greatest offense in college football history and just a terrible defense, I would always defer when I would. Absolutely. Talk. Absolutely. So, uh, okay. Mitchell wants to know over under 125 yards for Luther Burden. When's the last time he was under 125 yards? Week one? Uh, Three. Three, right? no, 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 96. It was like 107. Yeah, I will, uh, I will look wait. it up here real quick if you can burn just a minute. Maybe wait week three or four, but over under 125. I think that's generous to be honest. That sounds crazy to say 125 is a, a generous number, but considering what he's yeah. done the last couple weeks and this Kentucky secondary, their pass defense, give me a second, is 104. LSU's was 108. I, I think he can get over that number by quite a bit. Yeah, his last uh, his last game under 125 was Kansas State. He had 114 against Kansas State, 117 against Middle Tennessee, and 96 against South Dakota is his low water mark for the season. He has had at least seven catches in every single game. If that over under was 100, I'd feel very comfortable taking it. But I, yeah, I think uh, I think over 125 can happen. Um. I think it, I'm thinking anywhere from 136 and 136 to 160. I 136, think not one, not 135, 136. Nah, it's just it, it's some you know sometimes game numbers just speak to you in your head. It says that one. <laughs> <laughs> I 
So I'm going to say 136 to about 160. All right. There you go. Definitely over 135, definitely under 170 for Luther Burton. That is that is the range it's we're looking the, at. Yeah, that's the sweet so, spot. Uh, so, Gerard, you're headed to Lexington sometime tomorrow. You will have full coverage from on site. We'll, uh, we'll hit you guys up with the postgame show. Um, I'll jump on pretty soon after the game ends and uh, kind of hang out with you people. And uh, Gerard will join us after uh, after post-game interviews on Saturday night. So Mizzou, Kentucky, here we go. Uh, game day preview tomorrow morning. Um, Saturday I, morning. Saturday morning. I always do that. I, I no, don't worry. Last week I posted it for a second for like a few minutes. And I was just okay. like, oh, I mean, <laughs> no, okay. I didn't. But yeah, I, uh, I, I don't – We'll see what final scores we come up with, but I, I feel kind of comfortable saying we're both we both think as of now Missouri wins this game. Yep. yep. So there you have it, guys. I mean, I guess they'll go ahead and play it. You can go ahead and watch it, but uh we both picked them to win. So what could possibly go wrong in uh Mizzou, Kentucky, where nothing weird ever happens. So appreciate you joining us. Uh Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. If you're listening on the podcast, which I will throw together after this, share it on social media, leave a nice review, five stars, all of those things. Uh, Chamber in the morning, full coverage from Lexington this weekend. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you Saturday night.